You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in halfway through the week here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard. This is Wednesday, October 7th. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. You can also rate, review, subscribe. We're going to do all hoops, all show today. We've got some scheduling news, Tim, that we yeah. got to get to. And we're also going to get into some recruiting stuff here. Again, we're with you every single day here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. So with football dominating so much of the news lately, I'm glad we're here every day for you so we can dive into some of this basketball stuff as well. And the most interesting notes that I've seen over the past couple of days, both coming out of the John Rothstein moles that are embedded in central New York, but <laughs> we start with this three-team MTE. You know what MTE stands for, Tim? I didn't know until about a week ago. Now everyone's saying it. it's multi-team event, right? Isn't that yes. the... Mm-hmm. It took the longest time for me. I'm, I'm a man who prides myself on sniffing out acronyms. Couldn't figure that one out for the life of me. Tried Googling it. Why, Still nothing. Why can't and we just say was... tournament? I mean, I, I don't exactly. understand. Exactly. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But it's Jeff Goodman who finally unveiled what the MTE stands for. Multi-team event. Um, so that's going to be interesting. We'll touch on that in just a second. And also Georgetown and the details of that game. So that's coming up a little later on in the show. But we start with this multi-team event, I guess is the verbiage here in 2020. And John Rossing says, three-teamer hosted by Syracuse. And now we don't know exactly what that means. Is that Syracuse plus three others? Is that three including Syracuse? Either way, this is the best way to do this stuff. And I don't know what the level of competition is going to be like. I'm a Gonna go out on a limb and say it's not gonna be too stiff. I'd imagine you try to keep it pretty close because remember with Syracuse, of course, we just mentioned you're playing the Georgetown game this year. That's a, a power conference yep. opponent that you're gonna face. The Big Ten ACC challenge already baked in. And then you go through the ACC schedule too. And we know Jim Beheim's part of the camp that wants all 350 plus teams in the tournament. But I will say this, uh, I think that this is probably a year where you don't try to stretch yourself out in the non-con. And I know Jim Beheim isn't someone that really likes to do that anyway. Legend has it, at least. <laughs> yes. When you have all these other tough games baked in, don't stretch yourself too thin. And I think this little MTE, I'd imagine you're looking at teams like a Buffalo, St. Bonaventure... Cornell's not in the picture because of the Ivy League, so you can probably cross, well, you you can cross them off the list, but I'd imagine it's some of these local-ish teams. Maybe you stretch into Pennsylvania, Ohio, see what Stony Brook's up to, I don't know, maybe you hit like a Vermont up, well, I don't know if you want to hit Vermont up, but... Yeah, that could uh, be a loss. Dip into New (laughs) Jersey a little bit too, so those are the type of schools that I would imagine that would be participating in this sort of thing. Yeah, so the neighboring states that they are allowed to, that are not on the travel advisory list that has been put out by the state of New York, that's New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and Connecticut. I would assume they will just stick to those four states and honestly the and obviously New York, you can group in that too. They'll try to keep this MTE that is being tossed out there probably local. I know we've had dreams of Let's reconvene at MSG and let's get the old Big East gang back together. I I hope that 
maybe they can play a, a Rutgers or something. I think Rutgers is the logical Big Ten opponent at this point. I know Andy Katz. I've seen put that out thrown out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Mike Waters was on that kind of from the get go too. That right. it would be Rutgers. Well, not it would be, but his guess was Rutgers. And then yeah, like you mentioned, Katz threw out Rutgers. So I think that's the, gonna the smoking happen. gun is there. Right. Yeah. It's I, it looks yeah. like more and more like that's going to happen. And that makes sense, right? Because that's in New Jersey. That's in one of those neighboring states, and they would be going to Rutgers for that game. So that'll probably be kind of their only it, road game. That's a pretty tough non-conference oh, yeah. game. <laughs> don't too. sleep I mean, on Rutgers. Don't <laughs> scoff at Rutgers. I know Rutgers was supposed to be on the schedule for football this year, and people were like, oh, free win on the schedule. And yes, in football, it's a free win. Basketball, not so much. Top 25, especially if you're going out to Piscataway as well, because Scarlet Knights were almost unstoppable at home. I mean, they beat some very, very good teams away or in the state of New Jersey. So, and they play against the Big Ten. The Big Ten last year was one of the best conferences in the country. It was probably better than the ACC last year. So, don't uh, don't scoff at a, a matchup against Rutgers if that is the ACC Big Ten opponent. But getting back to this MTE, this multi-team event that Syracuse will be hosting, I would like to see this sort of thing kind of continue and you may look at it as okay well these are the campus site games that are the the prerequisites the appetizers to the big feast week like this is your your butter and rolls to the the big turkey dinner on feast week but I would like to see like a carrier classic I'm wondering if this is going to become more well, and more can't of say a thing. carrier Again, Tyler we can't say right it. well I guess you can't <laughs> um the the stadium classic the the whatever they want to call right. it, the the Empire State Classic. Yep. Find a way to make this a thing moving forward. I would love to see this year in and year out because, and you're I'm not saying you have to schedule it as some big thing, but make it a celebration of basketball. You're Syracuse University. The reason you're on the map is because of an orange round ball, okay? And, and the man in charge of your your basketball team right now in Jim Beheim. May and maybe when when Jim Beheim finally hangs it up, you name it, you name the entire event after him. Yeah. So I think that is something that this program and I'm sure a number of other programs around the country are going to look into doing here moving forward because it's just a logical thing to do. I mean, I, I think that especially if you're a bigger program, you get some of these buy games, you get some of these local teams to come in, play their two or three games. Maybe you offer a little bit of a premium. I know uh, you and I were talking, I think Nebraska's hosting one of these things. Yeah. And it's a little bit cheaper to get into. So I think this would be a good event because of the fact that everyone's guaranteed a couple games. You get, as a university, you can maybe attract some some of the local fans and they're coming to a game that's not necessarily Syracuse hosted, but it's on your campus, in your arena. I think it's a cool event for everyone. Yeah, I think that's the way that college basketball is trending here in these uncertain times, it makes a lot of sense. I would expect Niagara to maybe be involved, maybe not even in the MTE, but in an out-of-conference game because Greg Paulus is now their head coach, and it seems like that's easy enough considering the proximity and everything. St. Bonaventure would be cool. The only thing is they're playing in an MTE already. They're signed up for one November 25th to the 27th. And I think it's a little tough now, too, because the Patriot League, as of now, I believe, is not planning on playing basketball, at least until the new year. So I'd imagine a number of Patriot League teams. Like, you think of a Colgate, UMass, Lehigh, all those sort of schools. Holy Cross. 
Like those are teams that Syracuse has historically played, especially Colgate, that you'd imagine would be interested. Maybe you expand beyond the three teams in the future too. Yeah, I would say Sienna would be in the running, Canisius. And what I really want to know is, is Rick Pitino coming to the Dome? And Iona. Yes. Because we played mm-hmm. Iona in the past. It sounds like not this year. Yeah. But maybe down the road. It would be awesome, though. Like, I, I want to get him here as soon as possible just for the entire mystique around it and the reliving Beheim versus Patino and their whole friendship being rekindled. Just all that stuff. It would make it a more exciting out-of-conference game than if, you know, you played a team that is Iona's skill level but does not have Rick Patino this year. And who knows? I mean... Iona might actually be something with Rick Pitino. As much as you might disagree with the guy, he's he's proven himself as a basketball coach for sure. So I kind of went through, I did basically my best educated guess at what the schedule is going to shake out to be. Now, this is all speculation. It's all kind of for fun. Things are going to happen. Things are going to change here. But my educated guess is that this MTE will follow. It won't be the first games they play. Just because November 25th is when the season starts and the football team is inside the Dome on, I believe, the 28th is that Saturday playing NC State. But I think it could be the following week. They could move them to, like, CNS, right? Like, Well, I mean, they, we wouldn't do that <laughs> I, to them. That's, that's a joke. That's a joke, yeah, by okay. the way. <laughs> Someone just got really angry. Calm down. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> They're not going to go play at CNS. Yeah, this isn't lacrosse. They did that last year with the lacrosse team, obviously, when they're renovating the dome. So my educated guess would be maybe December second through December fifth. That's a Wednesday through a Saturday. Is when. But could you that be a, a portion of the season when you have Notre your Dame. your Big Ten ACC? Well, the Big matchup. Ten ACC is December eighth and December ninth. Is what the okay. set dates are for that. So I think you want to get it in before that because. Let's be honest, this November 25th game, that could be an ACC game. Like, they started the year last year with an ACC game. We know the plan now is, according to reports, that they want to get in three ACC games before the turn of the calendar in January. So, if you run the math here, you're probably looking at two in December and maybe one in November 25th time frame. And it seems like a lot of these ACC teams are backing out of their MTEs that were scheduled for Thanksgiving week and when the season officially gets going. So I guess what I'm saying is, let's say November 25th, you uh, host an ACC team in the Dome. That kicks off your season. You kind of want to get in a, a some easier games. And not that, I mean, the MTE, maybe if you're playing Buffalo, there's a tough game in there. But if you're bringing in Sienna, Canisius, Niagara, some of those teams that I'm more expecting will be involved in this MTE, I think it would set up well to slide that in in the December 2nd through December 5th window. So then if you're going to Rutgers, because December 8th, December 9th, one of those two days you're playing a road game against a Big Ten team, that's going to be a tougher game. And you don't want to just have all tough games to start. All right, we'll get to some more scheduling thoughts, including some Georgetown stuff in just a little bit. But first, got to tell you about Built Go from the same people that brought you the best protein bar on the market. Built Go is the premier workout gel. You know, everyone faces a mental or physical wall throughout the day. Break through it with Built Go. Justin Knight, one of our favorite guys to have on this podcast, he just got me on a little bit of a running program, and I use it before my runs every single day. It's the healthy replacement for your energy drink. Built Go comes in one and a half ounce pack 
packages, which means you can put it in your briefcase, golf bag, or even in your pocket so you're ready to break through whatever wall life throws your way. Think of your favorite energy drink without the crash or unhealthiness. Bilko comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, or chocolate mint. It combines energy and collagen protein, which means it ignites a better day for you while also promoting joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. It literally makes you look better. Right now, visit BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Again, go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, let's get into this Georgetown matchup because John Rothstein also, with his skillfully embedded moles around the, the CNY, the 315. He says that Georgetown, the matchup with the Hoyas, likely going to be on a Saturday in January. Now, here's why this makes sense is because, at least from a Syracuse perspective, you have got to remember this. There's 15 teams in the ACC. Every single team has that one Saturday off. Well, Syracuse can replace that now a little bit by playing against a, a Georgetown team. And again, you're going to have to be a little bit flexible and crafty with the schedule this year. So it makes sense to throw the Hoyas in there as a, a Saturday game in January. And of course, it's not a Georgetown game without a foot of snow inbound too, which <laughs> right. I'm sure we will see in January at some point. So why not uh, get the whole the whole ambiance? There may not be the fans, but there you can't keep the snow out of, of the rivalry. So I will say this. Obviously, the the rivalry has lost a lot of its luster over the past couple of years. The one guy who I thought might be able to reignite a little bit of it was Mac McClung, and I think he did his best job to do that. But he has since transferred away to Texas Tech, so he will not be involved in this matchup this upcoming season. But I, I do think that, I mean, this is still an important game to play. It's still important to... Oh, play yeah. some of these old Big East opponents, but we can we can pump the brakes on on active rivalries. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still longing for the days when it was a rivalry. So, and and the the games have been close. I mean, they've all been entertaining. We had the tiest battle shot. What was that? Two years ago. Now, last time it was mm -hmm. in the dome. Three years ago, Frank Three Howard years ago, the and the great overtime. comeback. Yeah, yeah. Um, Last year, there was some bad blood, like Jalen Carey got thrown out for tripping. But again, it's probably sort of reaching. I mean, it's not nearly what it used to be, and that's just always going to be the case when they're in different conferences. But I like that we're still trying to make it happen. And it would really not be a rivalry if they just like said, oh, like COVID, we can skip it this year, and oh well. Like It, it seems like they there had been talks about, I don't know if we're going to be able to continue this series. Well, it seems like Ewing and Beheim are committed to, to continuing this, which is good because I think they should play more old Big East teams out of conference. And maybe that will put to bed the narrative that Jim doesn't like to travel and doesn't like to play a tough non-conference schedule. I will say this, though. I've always maintained Tyus Battle killed the rivalry. He killed the rivalry uh, by I know where making you're going. the Instagram yeah. post with, with Jagan Mosley. He claims he got hacked. I don't know. I, I'd love to have Tyus on the show sometime and... and talk about that Instagram post because it was like, go follow my bro, Jagan Mosley. Uh, I don't remember some of the other ancillary details, but like blah, 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 point yeah, guard. All plays these guys are friends now. It's the A. Yeah. I mean, it's, the yeah. rivalries don't exist. So I'll, I'll give you Carolina Duke. It feels like Carolina Duke's the one that's kind yeah. of 
stood the test of time. But conference realignment kills a lot of these things. And I think Syracuse Georgetown, just another example of all of that. But that doesn't mean I don't want to see the game played. Totally. Okay. Just because I don't view it as a rivalry doesn't mean that the game still should not be played. Right. So continuing with my mock schedule that I will probably be way off on, but after the Big Ten ACC Challenge, I think then you got December 12th to the 19th kind of where you'd probably look to schedule two or three games. Maybe you slide in another ACC game in that time period, maybe even two to knock all three of them out by December 19th. And then probably another out-of-conference game against a lousier team just because you're coming off the Big Ten ACC Challenge and you're probably going to have another ACC game on the horizon. Now, this is under the assumption that the max they can have is seven out-of-conference games. All they have to do, though, is get to 13 games, technically. They can play between 13 and 27 games this year, and that's even including having an MTE. They're still kind of going over the the loose details of that, but obviously they're given a bigger window because some of these games are probably going to get postponed. Some of these games, players are going to test positive before. It's going to be a weird year. Like we're I mean, seeing. we see it with the, the NFL right now. Now, oh, yeah. I think it's going to be a lot more on the side of baseball of rescheduling just because the NFL is a weekly game. You, you can't Tough, be jamming yeah. three games into a, a two-week period, really. So... I think that with with basketball though you are and I'm sure we may see this with the NBA if they start to opt towards the the baseball method of, of traveling and stuff like that. I mean we've seen it in college football. The and I know the Syracuse I think I saw today that there was a a cluster that broke out for yeah. of COVID cases. So where what happens from there with all the athletic programs? Again, if I'm a if I'm a parent, I want my my kid to be a student athlete because it seems like they're kind of in these quasi bubbles within the universities. You're getting those consistent tests and all that stuff, but it's just another thing you have to worry about. And I I do think that the, it's not going to be as hard to reschedule basketball games as it is with these uh, with these football games that we're seeing right now. Yeah, I, I guess my general takeaway from kind of mapping out this schedule. And this is not anything to do with Jim Beheim's philosophy, which, again, we've talked about how some people will push the narrative that he does not like to challenge his team in the non-conference portion. But they're going to have Georgetown at home. Now, Georgetown is going to be, frankly, pretty bad this year, and by all accounts, losing back McClung and where they've popped up in some Big East power rankings. They, but, yeah, they lost a lot of guys. Yeah, but just regardless, it's a real team that is a rivalry game, and you know, we don't have to get into it too much, but it seems like that's a legit Power 5 team that's coming in. So you have that. You have probably Rutgers, but if not Rutgers, another legit Big Ten team on the road that is going to be a tough game. Maybe even a game that you're not favored. Yeah, in. like you're going to face a team out of the Big Ten that's in the middle of the Big Ten. But right now, the middle of the Big Ten is better it's than solid. the middle of the ACC. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. So, and it's on the road. So that's going to be a tough game. So you have those two, and then you have three ACC games in the months of November and December, and really just in December, because they're starting November 25th, so you don't have much time in November. So in like a month, you're going to play a Big Ten road team and three ACC teams, and then probably Georgetown at some point in early January, I would guess. We know it's likely going to be a Saturday in January, according to John Rothstein. My point is, that's kind of a lot. Like, when you do this hypothetical schedule, I'm sure Jim Beheim's looking at it and thinking the same way we are, and he's just like, 
all right, where can I get the easy games in? Where can I get the games yeah. that Alan Griffin can learn this offense and, and most notably, I guess, learn the 2-3 zone? Where can I experiment with Frank Anselm as, the, as playing some major minutes at the center position? Where can I see what Jesse Edwards has in year two or John Bullock? So I would not yeah, expect... Yeah, where can I see if Barama can pick right. up where he left <laughs> off last year? Yeah, I would. I guess I would not expect them to schedule an LSU-type opponent or another Power 5 team. Maybe a Buffalo would be a tough game that they could throw in there because of proximity, and it kind of makes sense. You brought up Vermont. like Maybe a, t- a team like that that is still a tough game. So I don't think Beheim would ever schedule Vermont, though. After I, I last threw time. that out. Yeah, yeah no, I, <laughs> I don't think Beheim would ever schedule Vermont. I agree. Um, so anyway, I think what we'll see when the schedule comes out is a lot of Niagara, Canisius surrounding what is already a, a pretty tough stretch that they're going to have to start the season like a lot of other teams. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into some recruiting stuff. Benny Williams said something about a top 10 guy in the class of 2022 and also some more stuff out of the 2022, not just Dior transferring away from Oak Hill. We will get into that next. So some basketball recruiting stuff, things looking like they're starting to not heat up a little bit more, but we're seeing a little more talk, a little more speculation. I mean, as the days pass, we just get closer and closer to guys in the class of 2022, maybe getting a little more narrow in their decision-making process. But Benny Williams, a guy who Syracuse has in this class of 2021, a guy who's elevating through the rankings right now. He went on a a podcast or like a YouTube show with Zach Shoemaker, a guy who he does a lot of interviews with recruits across the country, some of the top recruits in the country. And he had Benny Williams on the show. And there's something that stuck out to me that Benny Williams said. And he started, he was asked the simple question of, Who could be joining you at Syracuse? And two things stuck out about his answer. So he just dives in and just starts talking about Jairus Walker. And Jairus Walker, a 2022 guy. So there's a chance that maybe Benny really blows up that first year that Benny maybe, I mean, probably an outside chance, but maybe might not play with a 2022 guy. But the fact that he brought up Jairus Walker as a guy who Syracuse is going after heavy and seems like, There's a lot of interest there mutually. He says that next time that he goes on a visit, he's going to try to get Jairus to come with him, and Jairus definitely wants to visit. I love it. So I found that very intriguing because, I mean, that's a guy who could make a monster impact, and we've kind of crossed him off. Even though Syracuse has a lot of top-caliber guys on their wish list in 2022, and Jairus Walker certainly on that wish list, but we kind of slotted him down lower a little bit because of the fact that a, the G League is probably a more prominent factor yep, for him than for some sure. of these other guys that we're talking about. And B, he's just going to be in a giant competition. There's going to be a ton of people flocking after this guy too, and he may opt for a more traditional blue blood like a Duke, Kentucky, UNC if he decides not to go to the G League. Yeah, I never really expected him to bring up Jairus Walker, but hey, I mean, it's it's And good it was news. a quick trigger out of him too. Yeah, it like seems he, like he didn't been wait. Contact. He didn't hesitate. Yeah. Right. So obviously you hope that he comes on a visit and maybe our initial instincts on him being a G League type guy. I mean, he does look like someone who he could play in the NBA like tomorrow, it seems like, when you watch Jairus Walker's tape. It's, right, yeah. It's Big like, dude, high yeah. flyer. 
It's like Dior, but he's just like more of an NBA build right now. So he's a top 10 type player. If you were to get him, it's almost like we shouldn't even entertain it because it's such a pipe dream still, even though Benny has this comment, which is definitely optimistic and better than him not making the comment. It's just hard to see Dior coming and Walker coming on top of Benny maybe staying and, and maybe... Benny's talking to him because Walker, kind of like Dior, is so talented that he's considering a reclassification. Pure speculation. I have not seen that out there, but it wouldn't surprise me. A lot of kids have dipped into reclassifying and have used that to their advantage recently, so that's always a possibility, I guess. But another thing that Benny said in this interview is he mentioned that more are coming. He said, I can't go into detail, but more are coming in 2021, which is great to hear because, A, We've talked about how 2021 is not going to be a big class, and it doesn't seem like they're making as much news in terms of visits, and I guess it's kind of the dead period right now, but trying to be actively pursuing these guys as they are in 2022. It's almost like they're like, all right, we got our guy Benny in 2021. Let's really try and hit the home run in 2022 like everyone is hoping for, and I love that strategy. But like we saw Ashton Smith was not – you know, he, he cut his top four and didn't have Syracuse. So I was almost starting to think, like, maybe it's just Benny in 2021, but he brought up how others are coming. Maybe he didn't say plural, but he said more are coming, and he didn't go into detail because he said he couldn't, but I loved hearing that. I mean, hopefully it's an Arthur Coloma or a Mac Etienne or someone like that, although that is probably, um, again, kind of a pipe dream. I, I haven't had great vibes on those two recently. Well, can I... Allow me to play devil's advocate here. And again, this is kind of the approach that I have taken, the stance I've taken. I don't know how much you've adopted it, but I've always kind of erred on the side of, all right, push your chips and just get get Benny Williams. They got Benny Williams. And then go all in on Mackie Tien or an Arthur Kaluma, a big guy that can help you right away. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, save the scholarship for 2022, chug along. Move forward with it, all right? So to me, it says a lot that when he's asked who's next, he doesn't opt for a 2021 guy. He opts for a 2022 guy instead. And I think that if that if he's saying more are coming in 2021, it might not be the most excitable prospect. It might not be the guy that really gets you going. But the fact that he opts right away to say 2022 without skipping a beat, a 2022 guy's name, I think that just shows, all right, there's a lot more coming in 2022. And maybe that's the way that this coaching staff is looking at recruiting right now. 2022 is going to be our year. If we get another big name in 2021, cool. If we don't, I'm cool with just pushing all the chips in and getting ready for 2022 because that could be a monster year for this team. Yeah, I mean, basically all we know right now is Arthur Coloma and Mac Etienne in 2021 because Ashton Smith, who has not made his decision, has kind of ruled out Syracuse, and it seems like they've lost interest in him maybe is how it went down. But Samson Johnson has picked UConn. Elijah Hutchings Everett picked Penn State. uh, Quincy Allen picked Colorado. And a lot of these guys, it wasn't like, oh, I thought they were coming. So there hasn't been any, like, shocks really in that group. But... Benny Williams, I mean, we know that he is a huge, huge commit that's only looked better since they've gotten his commitment early on in that cycle. So I agree with you. I think they still are operating under the assumption that 2022 
is the year they really try and capitalize on. And that's why I just found it a little interesting that he said more coming in 2021. So maybe and it'll I'm be cool a, with that too. Yeah. Listen, I, I've always maintained that stance. I think you go all in for 2022. Maybe you fill in with like a transfer, probably more towards a grad transfer side of things. If you're going to maybe patch together a couple scholarships here or there for this 2021 cycle, but I don't, I don't need another big time recruit. I, first of all, I don't know how much space there is going to be on this roster true, because true. of the fact that I mean, you wonder how many guys are leaving this team after this twenty twenty one season, the twenty 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 one season. It's looking like a lot of guys are going to be coming back, and I mean, year to year, it looks like that. Now, obviously, transfers can happen. Obviously, maybe a guy pops off in his NBA draft conversation. All of a sudden, who knows? But. I, I'm cool if you just keep 2021 small and then you attack 2022 with a vengeance because I think that 2022 team has a chance to be really successful and kind of build this program back up, especially if you keep your next coach as a guy who's in-house. If it's a GMAC, if it's a Red Autry, if it's, I mean, I don't think it would be Alan Griffin, but if, if it's GMAC or Autry, that is the next guy. I think that 2022 class would give you a lot of positive momentum moving forward. Totally. And obviously the big news in 2022 this week was Zion Cruz is now, I guess it's not official that Dior is transferring from Oak Hill, but Zion Cruz pretty much made it official and said he's moving right. out of Oak Hill. So Zion, a guy that Syracuse is after, who we know is friendly with Dior, and there was some hopes that if they play together at Oak Hill, that'll inspire them to continue that and and bring that backcourt to Syracuse because Zion is another five-star top 20 guy in the 2022 class. But I don't know, really know what to make of it other than it seems like some weird stuff's going on at Oak Hill and we haven't heard anything. Yeah, a little fishy. Yeah, it's just odd fishy. timing. I don't know, but yeah, really weird right. stuff. And again, it is a pandemic, so we can't count that out right now. I mean, things happen. These are 16, 17-year-old kids right. that we're, we're judging with a critical eye all of a sudden. I mean, imagine if you or I were being judged that critically at the ages of 16, 17. It probably wouldn't end well for either of us or, or anyone out there listening. So yeah. I will say that. I, I think that Zion going back to the Patrick School, I'm not, I, I don't care. I, I, I don't care that much. I don't think it means much at all maybe he just wants to be closer to home and the same thing could apply to Dior. We, again, Dior very well could be going back to Oak Hill. We just don't know yet. Right. Um, it would have been nice. I think for Dior to be playing with Zion Cruz, I think that it kind of, well, it either would severely help you or severely hurt you. Like let's say Zion and Dior just hate playing with each other. Well, guess where Zion's not going to school Syracuse. But if he loves playing with them, then okay, that that certainly helps you. And then if he's lukewarm, it probably doesn't help you. So yep. I would say that, especially with, with these schools, who knows what their their schedules are going to look like for the upcoming year. Maybe you, you just want to be in a situation that's familiar with you, work with some of the same trainers that you've worked with throughout your entire basketball career. The, the, the whole going home thing that does is a whole non-factor for me. Yeah, and by the way, this is way, way in the future, but they did offer a 2023 kid yesterday, Connecticut kid Gavin Griffiths, who is a pretty solid player. I watched his tape, 6'7 forward. I think he's got a decent offer. She's actually a teammate of Donovan Klingon, who obviously is a huge priority target for Syracuse at the moment. But 2023 seems to be following the same strategy of let's go after the best and let's go after them early, just as they did in really the last two cycles now. 
Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the show. Tomorrow, we're going to get into some more football stuff, get into some more Duke preview stuff, because that's a big game for the Orange this week. That line is moving, Tim. It's all the way up to two and a half now in favor of the Blue Devils, so we'll dissect what all that stuff means for this upcoming matchup, get you to know a little bit more about the Blue Devils and also any more football things that we see filtered through throughout the the next 24 hours. We're going to bring those to you on Thursday. All right, so for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.